You ever get yourself into a conversation where somebody says something and you say, really? And then they say something different. And you say, well, that's not what you said. They say, well, that's what I meant. I was having a conversation. Actually, I was uh, putting some pain reliever cream on Dina's back. And I said, turn to the left. And she turned to the right. And I said, other left. And she said, that is my left. I said, no, don't turn your left shoulder toward the front. That's turning right. <laughs> That's what I meant. Let me get to the other side of your back there. And it happens in so many different circumstances where we're not really clear about what it is that we're talking about. And you've all had that experience. And sometimes it's somebody's telling you a story. Well, I was, I was talking to Susie and to Joanne and Annie. And she said that she's leaving her job. Well, you just gave me three people, and you generically said somebody is leaving her job. But I, so I have a little bit of information. I've narrowed it down from seven billion to three of the people who might be leaving their job, but I don't actually know. So at Anton, the affiliated New Thought Network, <clears throat> the president, uh, Jerry Troyer, when he first took the helm, uh, made the claim that we're going to say what we mean and mean what we say. And it was refreshing because a lot of times in the board meetings and the activities, somebody will say something and then somebody else will say, what did you mean? Because there would be two or three or a dozen possible meanings. And one of the examples is uh, we're going through making the rules about who is, who's authorized to spend money. Because there are several people who have the organization credit card. And being the administrator, I'm one of them. And so the board decided that the executive director and the treasurer would be able to spend money that's been budgeted, and everybody else would have to have a board vote. And I said, whoa, wait a second. We just did a postal mailing for the end of the year, and that would have required three board votes, because we bought the cards, and we bought the envelopes, and then we bought the postage. So let's add me to that list. And they go, oh, that's what we meant, yeah. <laughs> Good idea. And it turns out to be easier that way. So it's obvious, it's obvious that we want to say what we mean and mean what we say. And it's not necessarily easy. It is not easy to do that. There are a couple of different ways to, uh, to phrase that. One is uh, intention versus impact. So when I say something, I know what I mean. And if the person who's hearing it hears something other than what I meant, they can react to what they heard rather than to what I was trying to say. That's the impact versus the intention. And there are all sorts of examples. Uh, I'll give you one that I heard about when I was, I think, in college. This young man, Jeremy, and for reasons that we don't need to go into, he had a wooden eye. And Jeremy was very self-conscious about his wooden eye, um, thinking that people would judge him or mock him or laugh at him or otherwise put him down. So he became withdrawn and he was reclusive, and that was the life that he was living. And finally, he got to the point where he didn't like that anymore. He didn't like being as withdrawn as he was, so he decided he was going to go to the dance. So he went to the dance feeling very self-conscious, and he's kind of you know, back against the wall, watching the other people who are there. And he notices a young woman who's there, who's also a wallflower, and she has uh, a, a very pronounced uh, tilt to her shoulder. And he says, I'll give it a try. So he goes over to her and very self-consciously says, what, 
would you like to dance? And she says, would I? And he says, would I? Would I? Who are you, who are you talking to, you hunchback? <laughs> Oops. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Obviously, the intention was different than the impact. <laughs> For those of you at home, Breen Rourke is losing it. So the intention is what we said and what we wanted to mean. That's what I meant. And the other part of it is how did it land? And we have all had that experience of saying something and going, whoops, that didn't land the way that I wanted it to. And the reason is because we are not necessarily listening with brand new fresh ears to everything that's being said and going through an analytical process of everything that's going on. What we're doing is we're recognizing things. And in fact, if something has happened in our past, we're bringing all of that education or trauma to the situation and responding to that. So there's a layer of abstraction where there's things that are going on and we are interpreting the things that are going on. We have a filter. We have a personal framework. A perfect example is what color is orange? Now, when I say orange, everybody here gets an idea of the color orange. We all know what orange is. The fact of the matter is, though, it's an abstraction. The way that we get to what is the color orange is that I hold up an orange or a tangerine and I say, this is orange. And you go, OK. And then we have an agreement. The fact of the matter is the way that the orange is showing up in your consciousness, in your awareness, in your brain, might be completely different than the way it's showing up in mine. The fact of the matter is we have three different sorts of cones or color detectors in our eyes. One is sensitive to red, one is sensitive to green, one is sensitive to blue. There aren't any that are sensitive to orange. So what happens is light strikes the tangerine and reflects back into our retina. And there's some light that stimulates the red cones, which are 700 nanometers, and some the green, which is 550 nanometers, and some the blue, which is 450 nanometers. And our brain and our eye interpolate to see the 600 nanometer orange light. We actually can't detect orange light. We don't necessarily know what orange light looks like to somebody else. So is what I'm seeing the same thing that you're seeing? Well, we have an agreement that when I hold you up a tangerine, we say, yeah, that's orange. And it doesn't matter what we, what we internally process that to mean. That was the agreement that we had. So we're interpreting our environment all the time. We're always interpreting our environment. And it would be nice to think that we are completely dispassionate and um, impartial judge, judges of what's going on in the environment around us. But we're not. Sadly, we are not. Um, our minds are always interpreting what's going on in the world around us. And we are always comparing that to the things that we have learned before, the things that we have experienced before. And there's a, there's a, there's a tendency that we have, uh, and this is not a new idea, that when we experience something and it's too much for us to process at the time, 
our mind stores it. It saves it for later. It says, okay, I, I don't have the time, the resource, the bandwidth, the willingness to deal with this now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it for later on. And lately, those things have been called things like trauma. So we take those and we bury those down inside, and then we supposedly are going to work through them later. But uh, as we heard in the reading, sometimes we don't get around to it. Sometimes the to-do list unfolds and unfolds and unfolds. And yes, I have items that have been on my to-do list for more than three years. Real soon now. Going to get to that any minute now. And rolls, I roll them over every day. So some of those stored things we deal with, some of them we don't deal with. And every once in a while, somebody says, would you like to dance? And it triggers something that we already had a trauma about. And we react not to what they said, but to our old trauma. Game on. Now, and when that happens in front of us, if I say something completely innocent, as far as I'm concerned, and it triggers somebody, uh-oh. I have inadvertently pulled the pin out of somebody else's hand grenade. So what do I do about that? Well, there's usually a couple of things we can do. We can defend ourselves. Well, that's not what I meant. That wasn't my intention. And unfortunately, for somebody who's just had their <laughs> the pin pulled out of their hand grenade, that doesn't help that much. The best thing that we can do is acknowledge, oh, I pulled the pin out of your hand grenade. I really didn't mean to do that. Can I try it again? Let me phrase that differently. Is dancing with me something that you'd agree to? Yes. <laughs> and it doesn't get to the trauma. One of the wonderful things about being in a spiritual community is when we're interacting with each other and somebody says or does something that triggers us, that gets us going, that pushes our button, that gets through our filter, we can say that that's what happened. Hey, when you said that, I felt this. Not you made me feel this way. Nobody has any control over my feelings. I control my own feelings, even though when I'm dealing with the old trauma, I'm way out of control. But as long as I can recognize, hey, that's what you said, what you did is not okay with me, then the person who did it has the opportunity to say, oh, let me ask for a mulligan on that one. It's a golfing term. Take the stroke again, okay? Because the first time you hit it, it went either nowhere or into the woods or into the pond. And it's like, let's do it over. And when we are in a loving and uplifting and supportive space, as often as not, the person who we're engaged, involved with is going to let us take and try a do-over. And we don't forget what happened. But being mature people, we can understand, oh, this was mine. This was my trigger. This was my button. This was my hand grenade. And it was whatever this thing was that made that all happen. Interestingly, this is not new. There is a, a term, which is samskara, which is from uh, ancient Indian philosophy. And it's interesting it's ancient Indian because it shows up in Hinduism and in Buddhism. So this was Indian philosophy before Hinduism and Buddhism. A samskara is exactly that. It is a buried thought or piece of historical energy, an instruction or a command that we react to. Something happens. It creates a samskara in us. And then when something else happens, we respond to what happened and to our own samskara. This is not something new. This is something that has been going on for a long time. And there are techniques for dealing with that. 
And one of the reasons that I bring that up is because it's really important to be clear about who we're in community with and to allow ourselves to be supportive and supported. And also because a large part of Living Untethered, which is the class that we're starting at the end of the month, towards the end of the book is talking about simskaras. How can we go through life when we're being controlled by things that happened when we were a teenager or a baby or last week or when we didn't understand which of the three people was leaving their job? So we get to deal with what is ours and then we could be much more clear about dealing with the input that's coming from the world around us. There's something else that's coming up. Um, Thought Leader Thursday, which is another Anton event, um, is the last Thursday of the month. And I think it's the 25th of January. Rick Moss, uh, who's an old friend, is going to be uh, doing the session. And he, I first heard about this stuff from him. He says that those, those, those poison memories that we have when people said something and we hit him, he says it's like bubble wrap. So he has processes where you can pop the bubble in your bubble wrap. And oh, by the way, if you've ever popped bubble wrap, there's always more bubbles. <laughs> but what happens is every time you do it, it releases some of that and makes the way clear a little bit more for clarity and for, for living and being and experiencing life the way that we want it to. Because we can. We are always free to choose. That's the really wonderful thing about the New Thought philosophy is all this stuff has happened to me. And it absolutely did. And I completely give it credit and credence for everything that happened. That has been my life up until now. And principle is not bound by precedent. The next thing that happens in my life doesn't have to be based on everything that happened previously. I can step into something brand new. I can have a transformative experience. Has anybody here ever had a transformative experience where things have been going along one way and then suddenly, boom, it's different? Yes. Yeah. How about COVID? Yeah, COVID was, uh, nobody planned on COVID. Uh, although it's interesting with COVID, uh, there are some good things that have come out of COVID so far. Really? Good things have come out of COVID? Much, much less in the way of business travel. Much more acceptable when somebody has uh, a runny nose and is throwing up that they don't push through and go to work anyway. Okay, there's very little of that now. Or let me say, there's much less of that now. So there's some good things that have happened. Uh, it used to be possible to do uh, remote meetings on Zoom and save the time of commuting and waiting around for everybody to get into the meeting. And now it's much more commonplace. Uh, we have the technology we did before, and now it's even easier to make that happen. So um, I used to spend a lot of time commuting. For a while, I was working in New Jersey and living in Pennsylvania. It was 45 minutes to an hour each way. That's a lot of time. I don't know what I'm doing with the time now, because there's still stuff on my to-do list that's been there for three years. <laughs> but there are changes. There are changes that happen. There are changes that happen internally to us as we realize, yeah, I've been doing this thing for a while and that's not who I want to be. So who do I want to be instead? How do I want to engage in the world instead? What do I really mean? What do I, what do I mean about the, the life that I want to live? Because if I say that I want to be open and loving and gentle and supportive and instead, whenever I'm interacting with somebody, I'm harsh and judgmental and critical and pushy, they're going to act like I'm harsh and judgmental and pushy. <laughs> if I want to be seen in a different way, I get to engage in a different way. And the great thing is that we are free to. We are free to. We all get a mulligan. Every breath, every moment, there's an opportunity to start doing something new. So the question then becomes, 
What did you mean? What did you want? What is going to be happening next? And do I want to dance? <laughs> dance with joy and glee. Invite something new and wonderful into your life, because you deserve it. And so it is.